0: Hello, and welcome to the BPL Podcast. My name is Josh, and this is the first episode in a new series focusing on local music. You're now listening to the song It Moves in the Dark. This is the title track from the latest record by Dave Bucher and the Historians. Based in Columbus, they've been spreading their brand of Americana since 2010. Showcased by WOSU TV's Broad and High, featured by American Songwriter Magazine, and highlighted by Chicago's Off-Kilter Magazine. Dave, with his wife and bandmate, Leanna, took time to talk to me about their latest albums, Creativity During COVID, and the Future of the Band. Without further ado, my interview with Dave and Leanna Bucher. Thanks for being on the podcast. Absolutely. It's funny. You know, I've seen you guys perform before. I never knew that you were married.
1: Yeah. Well, the history of the group is sort of, Sort of strange. Um it we we all sort of met differently. Um, because the band's been together now for like eleven and a half years. But um I met our drummer Joe Spurlock uh through Craigslist. I had just scored a movie and it was not a very good movie, and I didn't want the <laughs> songs I wrote for that to sort of like die with this film. Um, and so I decided I would use them to start a new project and I just put up an ad looking for a percussionist and he responded and he and I have been playing together ever since and we, you know, had different members throughout the years over over that time. Uh, Leanna's been in the band. I was thinking about the other day, I think it's been, n- it was nine years like this spring or this summer. Really? I think so. Well, I was thinking about it because the first record that she was on is What Can Bring You Back to Me, which was released in October of 2013. Yeah. Which meant you had to have been in the band at least the a year before that. You know, yeah, maybe just kind spring. Of ca- of, casually of, like, of, like
2: with Brooklyn and stuff.
1: So I think it was like maybe spring of twenty thirteen, maybe when you joined with us. So that would make a little over eight years for Leanna. I, I
2: joined in kind of a weird way too, because um, you know, obviously we he and I were dating and um there was a there was another female in the band at the time who happens to be a great friend of mine now, which is awesome. But um, she, I think she was like sick one night and I had come to their shows quite a bit and I was like, well, I know a couple of the songs. Like maybe yeah. I could just like fill in or whatever. And, uh, and then it kind of was like, well, that was fun. And then we thought, well, how, how cool would it be if there's, you know, two female voices here that we can sing together? And then, you know, that kind of launched my career in the band anyways
1: (laughs) yeah
0: that's really cool um yeah so well and you have had so the the original drummer the craigless drummer i'm sorry what was his name Uh, joe
1: spurlock joe okay so joe is still in the band now still in the band i mean that's sort of how i i mark time in terms of how long this band has existed um because originally it was just called historians and so when joe and i sort of formed the band that was 11 and a half years ago now again it has been a really long time. Our bass player, Tim Jennings, has been in the band seven years. Um, we had another guy, Paul Valdiviez, who's a musician around Columbus. He was with us for like nine years. He's no longer in the band. Uh, and now we have a guy named Brogan Riley who plays guitar, and he's been with us now for about two years. Um, so it's been a little bit of a revolving door, but for the most part, it's been uh, the same people for the vast majority of that time which I feel very lucky. Yeah, when when you
0: change members, do you do you feel mm-hmm. like it's hard to keep a consistent sound or is that something that you're not worried about? You're just like, "Oh, it's a new flavor in the group, a new, di- you know, dynamic."
1: Well, honestly, the consistency of the sound is I think the least of concerns when you're when you have people coming in and out of a band. The bigger thing is usually personality because it's really it really does become kind of a secondary family you, you, you're you're sharing something pretty intimate, especially myself, writing songs and sharing them with people. Those are the first people that hear them and contribute to them. So personality goes a long way with it as far as the sound goes, I think we just sort of go with the flow. A, a good I think example everyone's is really right, adaptable. Yeah, well, you know Paul, when he was with us, played a lot of keyboard, and a lot of the music was pretty keyboard heavy <clears throat> coming in brogan who replace paul in terms of the lineup of the band is a guitarist first and foremost and so the songs have become more guitar driven so it has shifted a bit just based on who's around um and that wasn't like a sacrifice one way or the other it's just sort of like okay this is this is like the smorgasbord of instrumentation we have and um uh, personally i think that's been a really cool you know focus for us but that just came with like this is the right person to be with us, and this is what we sound like with these five people.
0: Yeah, just a constant evolution of the group, and I'm sure the, yeah. s- the the song styles change too with the with the band members and everything. Oh,
1: I mean, if you listen to songs we wrote ten years ago, like on recording, and then heard us play them live now, they'd be totally different. And part of that is the different people, but I think a bigger part of it is just like. I know, like Joe and I, especially get really bored with like playing the songs the same way, and so things will change. Maybe, maybe making this song a little different makes it fit better with new songs in the set, so it's more cohesive. Or there are songs I'm thinking like "On Your Arm," which is one of Leanna's favorites to play, (laughs) which I wrote, yeah, probably twelve years ago. Um, It we hadn't played it for a long time because it didn't really feel like it felt right in the set, and then we brought it back recently because now it feels very appropriate to our more current batch of songs so mm-hmm. it's funny how that how that happens
0: yeah and I, rem- I know um one of the most famous versions of like oh we just need to find good band chemistry is Ringo versus Pete Best and oh, oh yeah and I, I think it was John that said that Pete was a better drummer but Ringo was a better Beatle you know <laughs>
1: I could see John Lennon saying that. Yeah. 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 Which is tough for Pete, but great for Ringo. Well, Ringo Um, takes a lot of heat, but like, you know, he did have a singular personality that was unique in that band. Like, he was the only one that didn't seem neurotic. Um,
0: Yeah. When you have big egos like that, you need someone who just kind of like play the drums. Just play a straight
1: beat. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I I was reading um, Jeff Emmerich, who is like their audio engineer for most of their recordings. He wrote a book. Couple years before he died, called here, there, and everywhere. That's just like his memories of recording the Beatles. And he talks about like early recordings. I can't remember what song it was. I think it was maybe "Love You Too." That um, they were tracking all the instruments, but but Ringo is just playing maracas. And he said it was just really weird because he was just sort of sitting on the floor like shaking it. But he always seemed like totally content. Like oh, this is fine. I'm it's in so the greatest band the in the world. So yeah, like it's cool.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so it's really funny with this track which is the title track of your latest full length yeah um it has this amazing vibe to it um, thank you can you can you talk about what inspired you to write this song
1: yeah well instrument as far as the instrumentation goes um there's a tom petty and the Heartbreakers song and, and the title of the song is coincidental to this one it's called straight into darkness Um, that didn't inspire the words at all, but there's something about that song to me because one thing that he does in that song as a chord progression is he, he holds back the, this is going to be a little music theory here, but when we talk about a, uh, a key, you have a tonic or the one chord, the first note of the scale and the chord that that is built on. So if you're in the key of C, which this song is in C major is the one chord and that's like your foundation. But my goal was to start on the minor chords within the key and reserve that feeling of landing on the one chord as long as possible so that the mm. chorus sounds like a, an arrival. If you listen to that song, that Tom Petty song, the chorus to me sounds great because it finally like, it opens up. And that was sort of the goal with that. Um, the The palm muting and stuff is pretty heavy in that song. I think that comes from the fact that I grew up playing, like, metal, and mm. so I do a lot of palm muting, which is sort of weird in our style, but uh, it's just how I learned, like, playing, like, punk and, and metal growing up, um, and then the harmonica was, like, you know, the song needed something that didn't feel like the obvious thing, uh, and that's where the harmonica came into play, mixed with the guitar, um, which I think is really what gives it that vibe. It's that slide guitar and the harmonica, which was kind of, like you know it wasn't super planned it just sort of kind of came together as we were building it
0: yeah it kind of has this um this uh rhythmic kind of with the palm mutes you're talking about just it's more percussive like the mm-hmm. guitar is more percussive but you have this harmonica kind of like over top of it with maybe a slide guitar too yep on there yep. um which is really you know it's really nice yeah it's um, it's
1: really thick sounding like there's there's yeah. layers of electric guitar palm muting. There's acoustic guitars palm muting, and then there's the way that Joe plays the drums. And we spent days dialing in that snare drum sound to right where we wanted it, um, and it led to like this really thick sound. I don't know what. What do you remember about that song?
2: Instrumentally, yeah,
1: or or anything, or lyrically, or, or I remember rehearsing well, yeah, it for the first time. You've the story about.
2: about about lyrics on it
1: yeah lyrically and I, i've talked about this in some other interviews we've done and i think i was a little bit more um candid about it let me speak vaguely um okay i had a friend who i i knew very well and i hadn't really seen him in years and he was always somebody that seemed to me like he he, he was married i was in his wedding and and i knew him for a long time he and his wife And their relationship just seemed very strong to me. And then I had seen hadn't seen them in years. And then I heard from a friend of mine that um, he had had some infidelity issues while she was pregnant with their first child. The song is written from a third person perspective, and the idea that there's this entity, this like apparition in between them that is sort of like pulling the strings. The idea that like sometimes people get into a bad situation even if they're not the kind of person you expect to get in that situation and things just sort of snowball. So that idea of like, when will it get what it wants? Like this thing that has now happened needs to be satisfied and there is no going back. It just has to play out. Um, that's, that's the idea. So it moves in the dark, meaning that like that shadow that now looms over everything.
0: Yeah. It kind of felt like, um, there's, um, What's that title? There's a David Foster Wallace book. Um, that the title it reminded me of that title. It was um although of course you end up becoming yourself mm-hmm. is the name of the it's the name of the book. And it's okay. like kinda like the darkness is like taking you to to you know, who you end up being, which is kind of what you're saying is snowballing, the snowball effect.
1: Yeah, and um, there's though, that last line like about the man you'll become, this idea that like this is gonna sort of sever things and we'll never get to see the people we will become or maybe would have become apart from this or had this not happened. Um, I'm not a fatalist. I don't think things happen for a reason. I think sometimes things just happen and there are consequences to those things. Sometimes, you know, the idea of things happens for a reason kind of implies that like everything is for the better even if it doesn't seem that way at first but I don't think that's true.
0: Yeah, and you can't unring the bell. No. Um, So do you find
1: it... um, Do you like writing for characters? I I didn't always. When I was... I mean, I have a lovely partner here. I am pretty happy in my day-to-day life. So it's a little harder to write about yourself. When you don't necessarily want to write happy songs,
2: yeah, I was going to say that the the caveat is the the happiness because yeah. I think you always find the songs that you gravitate towards that you like from other artists are the darker ones, and yeah, and so he doesn't necessarily want to write things that are pleasant and happy. You did for
1: a little bit. I mean, you I know, have wrote I've written happy sunflower songs. for yeah, me, yeah, yeah I've I've written happy songs. <laughs> yeah, but you know, do you know the band Harvey Danger? Do you remember the song Flagpole Suda? No, I don't think I've heard that song. Um, it was, paranoia, paranoia, everybody's coming to get me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the only song people know by them. But their singer, he wrote a song. His wife once asked him why you don't write happy songs for me. And he wrote a song called Happiness Writes White. The idea that you, could, if you wrote it on paper, you wouldn't see it. It was just the idea that, like, I don't want to write when I'm feeling happy. I'd rather spend time with you. Writing for me is cathartic in other ways, so mm. I wouldn't waste my time writing a happy song because that's basically what the song's about. Um, and I, I kind of gravitate towards that idea a little bit. Like I don't, I'm not drawn to happy music. I'm usually not drawn to happy film, or I just, just not. I <laughs> I'm literally the opposite. Yeah. Too. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: yeah, not not so much with music. I mean, it's it's not like every song we we write is super dreary. Sometimes yeah. the lyrics are, but it's more like a Smith's tune where it's like, of course, Morrissey wrote the lyrics, so they're gonna be super sad, but Johnny e. Marr's music is more up tempo. And that's more of what we do, where it's like sometimes that dichotomy is nice. Like The Cure is really good at that. It moves in the dark, kind of is really depressing, and the music also feels that way, which is funny because some friends of ours hired us to play their wedding in <sighs> September. And I said, well, what do you want us to play? And they're like, play whatever you want. As long as you play, it moves in the dark. And I was like, that's a weird wedding song, man. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, and I know, he, I know he knows what it's about because I did his podcast two years ago and the record came out and I told this story. So, like, he's fully aware. He knows what he's getting into.
2: Yeah. He well, just, that's, that, he likes that's like that one song about um, watching you. What is that?
1: The, the police. Yeah. Yeah. Every breath you take. Yeah. Every and breath how you everybody, take.
2: everybody like puts that as a sweet song. And it's like, do you know what this is about?
1: Well, the best example is yeah. One by U2. Because Bono has said, I can't believe how many people play this at their wedding. Because One is like the most quintessential classic breakup song you could think mm-hmm. of. Mm-hmm. Um, but hey, you know, whatever you like. If you can dance to it, I guess, you know, <laughs> right. it's at your wedding. Can you dance to it? Moves in the dark.
0: (laughs) You can try. You can try. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So well, you know, another song uh, off the off the record that I, I picked out. Kind of, kind of, as you were saying, where you know, I listened to it and I was like, oh, I, you know, this is kind of an upbeat tune. Is Joanna, and and then I read the lyrics and I was like, oh. Yeah, it's like kind of that dichotomy of of having like you know maybe sadder lyrics with uh, an upbeat tune. Um, can, can you just talk about the, their lyrics on that one, or what you were thinking about? Did the lyrics come first? Did the music come first?
1: Well, that's what I was gonna say. Is that like I almost like when I'm writing personally, I usually I don't ever write lyrics and then try to put it to music. The mm-hmm. Music in some way always comes first, and in that song, like. We sort of had the music worked out and then Leanna and I were working out the lyrics. So like the music kind of was what it was. I mean, did we yeah. even get to the point where we were finishing the lyrics and we had already tracked yeah, the song? Yeah, you had
2: you had all the, you know, kind of meat and potatoes complete for like instrumentally and you you had some ideas for where you thought you wanted the melody to go and I kind of I, I liked how we, we wrote that together in that I I kind of took off off with what your ideas were and brought in my own ideas and kind of changed things a little bit. And then we worked on harmonies together. And um, he, he basically sat down and said, like, I want you to sing this tune. I have an idea how I want it to go. What do you think? And then I kind of was like, well, what if it goes this way? And then he was like, what do you want to sing about? You know, and so I thought about things going on in my life, and it, it really just was a family member who I just felt for and wanted to, to write about and, and sing about, and then thus the song kind of came together.
0: Hmm. Well, let's listen to it. This is another song off of It Moves in the Dark. This one's called Joanna.
1: How how we work is that like I'll have a song in a very bare bones way. Like when I bring it to everybody, I don't want to have thought too much about it because I want it to go wherever everybody wants to take it. Um, and usually, I actually write on the piano more than I write on the guitar. One because I like to look at everything linearly. It, it helps me think about the the arrangement more. But also, if I come in not really knowing what I'm going to do on the guitar. Well, then we're all coming in sort of like, okay, here's like the skeleton, but we all have to put the meat on the bones. But Mm -hmm. with Joanna, it was one of the last songs I think we wrote. I mean, the very last song we wrote, I think, was I'll Leave It Alone. But Joanna was one of the last ones to the point, like I said, that I think we had actually like Joe and Tim and I had recorded the basic instrumental track before we'd even finished the vocal writing it. And it was because when you get that deep into a record, you kind of get a sense for like, well, okay, I sort of can imagine the track order. Mm. We we need a song here and I can kind of get a vibe for like what kind of song it you know it needs in terms of like the rhythm, the beat. Um but in this case, I mean, a lot of the lyrics, a lot of the melody, I mean, that was that's Leanna. Um and that was un, that was unusual for us. Um lately with new songs, we've actually been working together more in that she's been kind of editing a lot more
2: yeah i'm kind of the sounding board like he'll have an idea and you know say what do you think of this and and i actually like to work that way i'm not good at all with in any art form at just pulling something out of thin air i have to have a reference or something that's started and be able to manipulate or change or edit or fix or whatever um and so that has worked out a lot, at least from my perspective. Oh yeah, um,
1: no, no and, no, and
2: enjoyment in the writing process is when he comes to me with an idea, and I'm able to kind of say, "Well, that that lyric sounds kind of weird," or "I, what do you mean by that?" And can we say it in a different way that makes a little bit more sense? Um,
1: She's also great with harmony because she'll do things that are very unexpected. The best example I can think of is um, in the black which is on it moves in the dark. The chorus harmony is like always sticks out to me the way that she sings the chorus. But like, I would have never done that. And that was like what came naturally to her, but it's kind of an unusual move. But you know, my brain would have been like, okay, I'm on the third of the chord. Well, then the harmony starts up in the fifth and she did more of like a walking pattern. So it's Mm. those sort of things because, you know, anybody who who writes, you, you start to get into patterns and it's hard to like, break out of those patterns. So it's helpful to have people that can go like, okay, you've done that before, or this could be better, or ah, I'll try something different here. Um, mm-hmm. Which is why I try not to go too far, because I know that everybody's going to make it, make it better, make it different.
0: So you guys released an EP uh, during the pandemic, and there's five, it's a cover EP, just all covers. Um, and there's five covers, and there's five people in the band. So, did you, um, did each member of the band pick a cover to record? Yep. Who picked Destination?
2: That was me.
1: Oh, man.
0: Love that song.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Brogan had mentioned it like a he, year yeah, before. He like, introduced we should me maybe to the, cover this. Well, he
2: introduced me to the song. He's like, I really like this song. You guys should hear it. And I listened to it. I'm like, oh my God, I love this song. And so he and I would talk mm-hmm. about it every once in a while, like, oh, this is such a good tune. And then when we brought up the idea of doing it, I'm like, I want Destination. Like I want that one,
1: <laughs> that one's mine.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's cool. And Dave, which one was yours?
1: Mine was the the killers song. Okay, uh, smile cool. like you mean it. Uh, that was because so the, the way this all came about was that Leanna and I started doing some live streams from home at the beginning of the pandemic, and one of those performances, I just happened to do smile like like you mean it. I was listening to that song that day, and I just started learning it, and thought I'll just do this song. And it was really fun to do. And so I kind of like threw out the idea of, like, hey, like why don't we record this tune? Because it'll be good practice for us to get better at home recording. Some of us have a lot of experience with that, some less so. And our producer, Jay Alton, we could get him involved, and it'd be cool. And once that started to happen, it was like, you know what? We've kind of got time on our hands. Let's do four more. And it mm-hmm. kind of grew organically out of that. Everybody was really down for the idea. and And Jay really pushed us to do it because... He felt like, you know, typically we record everybody in the room together. And he kind of thought, like, you know, going back to everybody doing it individually might lead to some creativity that you didn't expect. Like, like um, the Gillian Welsh song, um, Everything is Free. A lot of the bass is synth bass. Like, Tim just went in a different direction with that. That mm. wasn't the song he picked, but he went in a really interesting direction. Um, Brogan had never recorded his own guitar at home before. So got to really experiment with that. And I think that informed some of what we'll do on this new record, just taking a little Mm. bit more ownership of like, I want this sort of sound or I want to try, you know, micing it this way. Um, So I, I think it was a good thing for us to do. Definitely.
0: Cover songs are a hot button issue for music lovers. I -hmm. feel like whenever I bring it up to people, it seems like everyone has their own opinion about what makes a great cover song. So what, in your opinion, makes a great cover?
1: I I'd never like to hear a band just do the song as it was originally recorded. Like, I think there's no reason to do it. If you're like playing a live set, okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Like, that's you're just doing that to appease an audience, that's fine. But if you're recording it, if you're not making it your own in some way, I don't see the point in doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, like, Weezer doing Toto. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did a good job with it, but they didn't really do anything that different, I guess. Yeah, they kind of
0: just recorded it, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I heard they kind of did that as sort of a farce, and then it became number one on iTunes, (laughs) and they were like, "Oh, well." I heard River River said in an interview, like, "Oh, I guess I'll have to play this for the rest of of my career." Yeah, it's a very
0: Weezer story. The whole thing from start to finish.
1: Well, uh, you know, this is a cop out answer, but talk about making it your own. Jeff Buckley's version of Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah comes to mm, mind as, mm-hmm. like, taking the song and really making it your own. Yeah. Um, and now people cover it all the time, and they just do Jeff Buckley's version. Like, that's, you, you know.
0: Yeah. That is the version if somebody brings up that song. Like, that's that's the version now.
1: Yeah, like, Rufus Wainwright did it. And I love Rufus Wainwright. I was going to say, Rufus that's, that's
2: the version that I first mm-hmm. heard, I probably, Honestly.
1: I mean, I, I really like Rufus Wainwright, but he's really just doing jeff buckley's version he of Hallelujah, but
2: and then we did it for you right. we did <laughs> yeah
0: so um you said you're recording a new album mm. are you do- are we recording it now are you done recording no 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 we are we are
1: just in, in its infancy
0: yeah in the early in stages of writing okay yeah so hopefully
1: right. sometime in 2022 it'll be done uh, hopefully
0: You'll be all finished. Is there anything, is there any, uh, thing you could tell us about the album that makes it maybe different?
1: Yeah. In the dark. Well, I think like it moves in the dark, it's, it's pretty guitar based, but it's a lot more ethereal in that there's more like, like, I think the one tune, Leanna's basically playing like a Mellotron sample and the other one's got a lot of like, like fuzzy synth in it. Okay. Um, We kind of joke that some of the songs feel like sitting somewhere between, like, The Cure and R.E.M., but with more synth. Something about just having Brogan has sort of, like, shifted our our focus of the sounds a little bit. Well, and,
2: you know part of part of the change you know so we did have a very proficient keyboard player and there's a lot of a lot of sound and a lot of songs that are, are Dave Buker are involving keys he loves organ and synth sounds when he's when he's writing and uh, you know when when our keyboard player left a lot of that stuff especially when we're performing live kind of fell on me and I'm not a proficient keyboard player by any means and I have a lot of anxiety about it because I had you know huge shoes to fill, and so we've had to make new arrangements of things, um, old songs and new, to fit better on what I'm able to actually provide instrumentally. Um, yeah,
1: and doing that kind of developed a certain sound, right. and that has that sort of bled into these, and it's creating something that, I mean, it still feels like us, but I think it will be unique. I mean, I'd like to think that every record we've done has had a pretty unique Like not unique in terms of the world, but from one to the next has been Mm -hmm. a little different, and this will, you know, it's no return to form or anything. It's definitely going to be something a little different. It feels like a Killers record as it's coming together. Mm -hmm. Not to reference the Killers again, but I don't know. It's really early. It's early to tell.
0: Okay, last last question, because I know you guys have Lives to live and things to do. Oh, you're,
1: you're okay. You're we we like to talk about this stuff, as you can see.
0: I know. I really appreciate you sitting down and uh, hanging out with me for a bit. So what, what are some great albums that you're listening to right now? Or, or books that you're reading, movies, you're watching, TV shows?
1: Um, well, I'm reading Jeff Tweedy's new book called How to Write One Song that is basically... I'm, I'm, I'm halfway through it right now. Yeah, yeah, I am too. I just got to part three, so I guess I'm two thirds of the way through. And it's basically—I don't know how you would describe it—but it's basically it's not really about writing one song. It's basically his vantage point on creativity, and he gives some some tips. And the tips are cool, but I'm taking more from it, like his approach and his thought process. I love that he says he talks about how some artists do the thing where they're like, "Oh, I I didn't even write it. It was like I was channeling something." And he thinks that that's like complete garbage that like, it's <laughs> mm-hmm. all about how hard you work and you, you work and you, you work. It, it's nothing about like channeling. It, basically, it's like, it takes it away from you. That's a cop out. Like, um, sometimes you get lucky and that's good, but you know, and I like, I responded well to that.
0: Yeah. And he kind of lays it all out, um, lays it all out there. Like, uh, you know, here's my, here's my schedule for every day, basically. Yep. And it's like, oh, I try to be creative for a couple hours and then I go for a walk. And, you know, so it's not like he's like, you know, working at the railroad or something, you know, for eight hours a day or something like that. But he's just somebody who it's his job to be creative. Here's how I deal with that.
1: Well, if you're halfway through it, you're about to get to a section where he talks about writing as a character oh interesting okay yeah and he says that like there's that old adage from woody guthrie because woody guthrie famously said write what you know but he says like we're not all woody guthrie we didn't all live through the dust bowl like if you're a woody guthrie (laughs) you have life experience and you're a woody guthrie um
0: (laughs) 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 what about you Lena? what are you listening to
2: um yeah i don't do anything um
0: <laughs> just doom scrolling all day.
2: Yeah, pretty much. No, um yeah, no, the existential doom is is terrible. I don't know. What watching-wise, I I like to get comfortable in what's familiar and I like to pull up shows that we enjoy. So like we'll watch New Girl and Parks and Recreation and um just feel good shows that and he'll mm-hmm. be like, "Let's watch this really horrible like murder documentary." And I'm like, I want to put on Parks and Rec because it makes me feel happy. And I already feel like dead inside all the time. So like, I want to just feel a little bit of light and happiness for a while. So that's kind of usually what happens with us.
1: Well, we balance it. I mean, I think during the pandemic, especially watching things that were familiar, things that were comfortable was really helpful. But at the same time, I got a subscription to Shudder so that I could get all of my horror movies and things.
2: Yeah. He watches that after I go to bed. (laughs) So...
1: I was going to say,
0: you know, if you're anything like, like uh, me and my wife, our Venn diagram of things we can watch together is a kind of a small sliver in there <laughs> of like old, old old Hitchcock movies, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, other than that, we're just on separate screens <laughs> usually.
1: Yeah. It, I think that's similar for us, except that, like, and you probably say the same thing. The that thin connection of the Venn diagram is like stuff that i like love the most
0: (laughs) thanks a lot for uh hanging out and being on the podcast
2: thanks for having us
0: absolutely can you tell our listeners where to find the latest info about the band
1: yeah yeah so um uh you can find us on social media so facebook instagram twitter although we don't really use Twitter all that often, mm-hmm. but um, DaveBukerHistorians.com. That's B-U-K-E-R. That's a good place to go because it has streams of all of our albums. It has our music videos and live performance videos on there. It also has links to all those social media channels. Um, but if you do use Instagram, Facebook, follow us there because we always post about, you know, our live performances and news about recordings and things like that. So, And then if you're interested... Myself, um, and, and sometimes Joe, our drummer, um, and a couple other friends of ours, we co host a podcast called An Hour of Our Time. That is, you can just find it on, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And it's, it's largely history and science based. Um, we just recorded, uh, an episode about the Battle of Little Bighorn. We've done episodes about spiritualism and then about. Wales, Nazi and hunters. About Nazi hunters. In baseball. Baseball, yeah. It really <laughs> covers, you know, a lot of different things. Leanna has done episodes with us. She did one about the history of tattoos, and, and especially women with tattoos. Um, and depression and anxiety. <laughs> yeah. I will say, it is definitely not a podcast for kids. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh, it, you no. know, it, it can be a little bit, you know, we speak the way that we speak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we have a lot of fun with it. And, you know, one of our hosts is, an, is a paleontologist. Another one is a, has a degree in history. And... Um, so we try to try to put some stuff out there when we can. We, we do it weekly it comes out on Friday mornings.
0: So it really is you and historians.
1: <laughs> it literally it literally is. Yeah. Yes, it is
0: yeah it moves in the
1: dark, Thank
0: you for tuning in to the BPL podcast today. I hope you enjoyed. To find out more about the Pexley Public Library, including upcoming events, visit our website Pexleylibrary.org or the handle at Bexley Library across all social media platforms. If you liked what you heard, please help us grow by telling a friend. Rate us five stars and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions of other great local music to highlight, please email me at podcast at Thank you.